Good morning, church. Good morning. Good to be with you all today. Uh, my name is Kelly. I'm the student pastor here at Urban Village South Loop. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, yeah, just so excited to be with y'all. Um, I have run the Chicago Marathon three times now. I don't right. say that to pat myself on the back, I promise. Um, but I do it to name the people that I trained and ran alongside. See, we would get up around 4 or 5 a.m. almost every single Saturday in order to go out, put in the miles to prepare for the race ahead. The first marathon I ran was terrible. It's great. I got injured about three miles in, and the people that I was running with, I told, go ahead, I don't want to hold you back, I'll finish, but I'm gonna go it alone. For the next 23.2 miles, I struggled, uh, almost overcome with panic, and even in the midst of 44,000 people I was running alongside, I felt utterly alone as if the path before me was not just a path of finishing this marathon, but it was a test of whether or not I could overcome all adversity in my life. <laughs> the second marathon I ran on my 21st birthday. Great birthday present, right? Yeah. We love 26.2 miles of pain. Super fun. <laughs> the Team World Vision, which is the team that I run these marathons with, has a mantra that goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. The third time I ran, I ran step for step with my best friend for every mile, every cramp. Every time we stopped the water and it got harder to run again, it felt easier running alongside her. As we finished hand in hand, it did not feel like 26.2 miles. It felt like we could keep going. She's become not only my best friend, but the truest definition of family that I have. The struggle of the miles, having to stop and encourage each other to go on, even if we didn't want to, was a stronger force than I could ever realize. I think it's rare, if even a reality, that family exists without struggle. Whether it's external forces or internal conflict, families are subjected to a great deal of hardship. Family is central and key, whether chosen or given. Family is central to the Bible and to the text that we're here in today. It's central to our understanding of God. Jesus calls us brothers, sisters, siblings. God calls us sons, daughters, children. The language that's used so frequently in the text is obviously important here. From Genesis 1:28 and on, we get these physical and theological senses of family. The key to family is what we do when it gets hard, how we support one another in challenge and suffering. It's easy to show up for family, chosen or given when it's simple, when it benefits our own needs and wants. It's not so easy to be fully ourselves and fully accept the reality of relationship when it's complicated. So what does God say that the role of family is? As we explore that in the text and our own family dynamics, we see that a lack of transparency prevents us from authentic relationship with one another. In this text, we get the great family. We see imperfection, conflict, heartache, frustration, and works. These ancient authentic families are not so far off as we sometimes make them out to be from our own realities. 
sibling rivalries, fertility, abandonment. You've heard it all before. So let's set the stage, right? Bear with me. Jacob and Esau are the children of Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah probably had great hopes for their children, often dreamed of who they would become. The boys were different, obviously. Esau hunted beasts in the field with dexterity and success. He was a conqueror over his neighbors. Jacob was a plain man, not one to pursue much outside of one thing. He was a stranger, the pilgrim, the shepherd, all the states. Isaac and Rebekah had only these two children. One was the father's favorite, the other the mother's. Of course, they wouldn't show partiality, though. of course not. It's not how it happens. The birthright that it talks about would entail leadership responsibility and a claim to the inheritance that Esau gets by eh, a little bit. One day, Esau comes in exhausted, hungry, and probably getting to that point in the day where you just want peace, so you'll agree to anything. You want burgers for dinner? Sure, honey. Can you take out the trash? Of course, dear. Will you buy me a plane ticket to Hawaii so I can go on vacation by myself? Sure. Wait, what? <laughs> the writer seems to accuse Esau of bearing the responsibility and this loss and of his birthright because he didn't protect what was his. And this narrative Jacob is often described as clever and opportunistic. He takes advantage of his brother's need. He takes advantage of vulnerability. I'm sure many of us have had moments where we've been taken advantage of in vulnerability and prevents us from wanting to be vulnerable in the future. I'm going to be vulnerable right now. Can you throw me my water bottle? <laughs> Best friends. You know. There can be so many different reasons behind how we manipulate our relationships and how we react against vulnerability whether it's how we present ourselves, which ends up usually not being our full selves, or how we maintain certain dynamics in the family, we often tend to manipulate how we show up in certain spaces. Your work self or public self is probably different than the self that shows up with the family. How many of you can say that you felt like at one point or another you've lived a double life, where some people know one version of you and others a different? It can be disorienting and easy to lose yourself in the midst of it. Even when you have what looks like from the outside a normal family dynamic, it might only be you that knows how truly alone you feel. In those moments that I had, I had asked how much was it me that was holding myself back from authentic connection, and how much was it the external conditions that I was in. Jacob and Esau had both. They were both holding themselves back from vulnerability with one another and also had some external conditions, whether it was the need for leadership and for this desire of having power. Both of them were experiencing these Also, both of their names are considered to be some sort of form of the word deceiver in this play on language. It's both of them. Neither were operating in fully authentic connection with each other. We recognize that many of our current family situations do not match what God intended family to be. 
there's a gap that somehow needs to be filled between where we are and what we hope for family. Our hope for family is that it is life-giving, that it is safe, that it is authentic, and that no matter what form it takes, that it holds these things. We pray that family is a place where messy people feel comfortable to be their whole selves. This gap gets filled with grace that Jesus gives, enabling us to do the work to build an authentic foundation. Now, in order to be authentic with others, whether it's your biological family or chosen family, you've got to walk it back a step. We're only able to be authentic with our family when we are authentic with ourselves. This year is honestly the first year that I could say I was in an authentic relationship, that I finally cut the BS. I would say this is the first time in my entire life that my family has known who I am, and the first year that I had a finally deep and authentic friendship. It was the first year that I can say I entered into conflict with someone that I was close to and entered out on the other side better for it. I had to rearrange my idea of family, of relationships. I grew up doing life mostly alone, even as I was surrounded by people. I'd also say that the last three and a half years are the first years of my life where I've known myself fully and deeply. I'd also say that I know Jesus a lot better than I did. If I don't know myself, my needs, my identity, how can I communicate that to others? How can they adjust for me and I for them if we don't know what our needs are? If I wasn't honest with my best friend when I needed a rest or time to walk during the marathon, ultimately I would end up feeling resentment for her for something she didn't know that I needed. While I wasn't necessarily trying to deceive her here, I also wouldn't have been operating authentically in my needs or desires. This extends much more into my own family dynamics. The cause for my lack of transparency included several understandable things, from an age gap with siblings that prevented us from getting to know one another, to an unhealthy dynamic with my mom, which prevented me from being honest about who I was, to just an overwhelming sense that I have to manage my emotions, wrap my persona up with a bow to be presentable. I wouldn't share my needs or even my whole identity with my family. The thing is, just like running a marathon alone, there's no one to celebrate with, no one to cry with. It's hard and it's lonely. It can quickly make space for a lot of evil to get inside your head. It's easy to lose hope, to lose heart when you're going at life alone or just not, honestly. However, that Team World Vision mantra changed something in me. In order to communicate who I am, what I struggle with, who I struggle with, I have to know myself. I couldn't be authentic about what made me, me, until I did the work. And finally, I saw the beauty of doing life together. Now, in order to be authentic with ourselves, we gotta walk it back to stuff again. In order to do this, we have to be vulnerable and authentic with Jesus. This encompasses multiple things, whether it's how Jesus really sees us and what he thinks of us, or being vulnerable with the parts of us that Jesus already knows, but maybe we have a hard time getting to him. God was the first one to call us family. From the very beginning, we're gods. 
God teaches us how and what to be in authentic relationship with one another. The church is supposed to be a reflection of God's true definition of family. Just like families, church should be a place where messy people feel comfortable and loved right where they are. That they have space to figure out who they are and what Jesus says and does. It is through Jesus that reconciliation and repair can ultimately happen through authenticity and a whole lot of grace. I want to do something with you all that I've already done with our discernment small group a couple months back. Um, I just ask that you let go of any inhibitions that you might have or any focus you have on the logistics of the activity. Just focus on letting it go and listening in. Uh, just a reminder if any of it feels like too much, you perfectly are capable of having the option to opt out. So if you would, close your eyes with me. Imagine your heart. What does it look like? Where is it in relation to you? Let it sit there. I want you to imagine Jesus. Where is he in relation to your heart? The two of you go into your heart together. What do you do inside of your heart? What does the inside look like? Do you talk? What is Jesus doing? What are you doing? Look around and take it in. Now, you and Jesus, you're going to go to a good part of your heart. A happy memory or feeling, perhaps. What's Jesus' reaction? Spend some time there. Maybe think about whether or not your family would be included in that good part of your heart. Now you and Jesus go to a dark room of your heart. What's there? What's Jesus' reaction? What do the two of you do? What is he asking you to be vulnerable and authentic about? Is your family there? And I want you to come back to the first room you were in, your heart. Maybe he says a final word of wisdom and encouragement about a relationship you've been worried about. Peace and sense of family. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. What do you feel? When I did this the first time, I imagined my heart outside of myself with an anatomically correct heart. When Jesus and I went into that first room, we sat down on chairs across from one another with a coffee table in between us. We drank coffee. And just in case anyone was wondering, Jesus likes his coffee black. 
we sat there talking and I poured out my heart about the hardest relationship that I have with the family member. And I kept feeling like I needed to apologize to Jesus that I was talking so much. And all Jesus did was just love on me, allow me that space to feel, to be. We then went to a happy memory, memory that I have with my dad in the good times. Just felt right. Jesus was feeding. We went to the dark room. And there was that relationship that I've always struggled with. There was every sin in file cabinets. Jesus looked at me and he sobbed with me about all the hard moments. He went to those drawers upon drawers labeled Kelly Sins and took canceled stamp and marked every file there. Kind of evangelical, I know. <laughs> He wept with me about the memories when I felt most alone, most out of place in my own family. He challenged me, though, to see more than just the brokenness. We went back to the middle room and said a long goodbye, but I knew that it wasn't goodbye, it was just see you later. In order to be authentic with our families, we have to be authentic with ourselves. In order to know truth about ourselves, we have to seek truth and authenticity from Jesus. Risking vulnerability, no matter how big that risk, makes way for something really good. The hope of the story of Jacob and Esau, of me and my family, with maybe you and yours, is that God continues to work in and through conflict. It is important to remember that as soon as we're authentic with one another, does not mean that we will not be in conflict. But just like our transforming values means that our conflicts can be more transparent and bring us to a new conclusion. If I were to add a little something to the end of that proper continual vision, it would go like this. If you want to go far, go together into brave space. It's different than safe space. Safe space means that you are making a space of just support. That no teaching has to be done, no pressure to educate others. You can just exist and be affirmed without fear. A brave space encourages dialogue. It recognizes difference and holds each person accountable to do the work of sharing experiences and coming to new understandings. A feat that's hard and often uncomfortable. The Christian church should be a place of bravely sharing. Vulnerability and insecurity are not to be manipulated for the sake of gaining access. Deception, lying, half-truths, endanger communities and undermine our best efforts. They have from the very beginning. Large and small, they break communities apart, distort our relationship with God and separate us from one another. The people who love truth can build each other up rather than using it to tear each other down. Being vulnerable with our faults, failures, and hopes for the future allows us to be more <coughs> trusting, an environment of collaboration rather than competition. Our definitions of family and of community should reflect who Jesus is 
and what Jesus says about us and our authentic selves. Does our definition of family love without a goal in mind? Does it seek goodness and justice for others? Does it fully affirm all identities? Does it declare that oppression and marginalization have no place here? Does it challenge us? Does it point back to the gospel? When we create brave space first with Jesus, then with ourselves, then with our closest people, our families, we create the space for healthy authenticity that allows us to go farther together. We believe that authenticity and transparency honor one another. We believe that authenticity and transparency are not afraid of conflict that brings us closer. God's original intention for us is to be part of God's own family and to be a part of family here on earth. This means being our whole selves and doing life together. To be authentic with our families, we must be authentic with ourselves. To be authentic with ourselves, we must be authentic with Jesus. By knowing what Jesus says about us and who we are as people, we come into healthy, God-honoring community with one another through the vessel of family. We can go fast through life by ourselves, but if we want to go together, to go far, we have to go together, just as God intended. Amen.